Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tell me one other wife that would deal with the and that would be okay with supporting you through the It ain't Alyssa. I think she did it. I think she's done a great job at trying to be very nurturing in so many ways towards me, but we just have very different personalities. I have mounted suit on your infested apartment because you don't have your together. What do you mean give him away? This whole thing is that her? Yeah. The least you could do is make me for real. Like, all I need is an orgasm. And he was like, I want to pull it back. I'm not emotional right now. And I was like, why? Because you got small balls? I don't see him right now as good. I can't see it right now. I said to him, I'm like, you've literally pushed me so far up. I'm like, you, dude. Have fun living in your roast infection apartment with your income. I'm going to go back into South Boston with my good life and have fun. I don't need you. Where are you going back? Your mama's? Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. I'm hoping that my marginally upbeat tone is going to soften the blow for what I'm about to tell you, okay? Here's the thing. Obviously, it's come to my attention and it's become very abundantly clear that I am cursed when it comes to taking notes for the this show in the sense that every week now I have lost some part of the notes and this time it really took a hit because uh i've lost half of them so uh the last hour i'm just gonna warn you 
if uh, you don't want to hear me be like, hmm, and what happened after that about 11,000 times, this episode's not going to be for you. But if oh, I'm going to try to make it fun for you guys, you guys can fully laugh and revel even in my just like ineptitude and uh, downright stupidity. Um, but also, I think there are so many um, dramatic and traumatic situations that happened in the last hour that I feel like I'm going to be able to recall at least, um, you know, a hopeful 23% of it. <laughs> in hopefully it's still in my um, frontal lobe. But um, yeah, we're just going to have fun and um, hope for the best. Pray for me, you guys. And, and you know, be, be gentle on me. It's my birthday. My birthday is on... February 27th, just a couple days from now, and uh, it's Black History Month, so, you know, you can't say anything. Sorry. So these tend to be an episode that I find floppy. I, you know, again, you know me, you know where I stand with these parties, with the involvement of the friends and family. Oftentimes, they don't really give us much. I will say in the last couple of seasons, they've started to be a little bit better in that section. But the housewarming parties, I do not want to watch people play games in my real life. You can bet your bottom dollar that I do not want to watch it on television. So... (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, it was a lot for me. It was a lot, but yeah, we're at six weeks before decision day. Well, for, for at least four of our couples anyway. Um, and yeah, they're going to be having housewarm parties and they're also going to be individually meeting up with a friend to kind of check in and, uh, see what's going on. So the episode begins with everybody getting ready and, you know, we're getting cutesy B-roll footage of everyone except for obviously Alyssa and Chris who, you know, Pastor Cal tells us in a voiceover that they're about to start their single journey all over again. Um, Chris does say in a diary cam that the most important metric in a successful marriage is just trying and he feels like Alyssa had zero try in her and he just wants to be with somebody who wants to be with him don't we all you know and I I want that for him I really do the only time we see Alyssa during this clip is just her doing sitting on the floor like total college style sitting on the floor doing her makeup I noticed that her uh nail polish changed quite a bit over the episode they really should have considered that I mean we all know at this point that Alyssa is a woman who cannot be tamed so who's to say what gaslighting came at the hands of this uh nail polish change but I noticed it nonetheless uh she started off with like a highlighter green and then when they got to the bowling thing it was like a like a midnight blue a real midnight blue two colors that I'm gonna avoid now I used to like them but now I just can't be associated with that I don't need that energy on me. Now I know. Now I know, you guys. So we start off with Steve and Noi. Should I start off with them? Because, no, they got pretty dramatic. So I'm actually going to start this week with Katina and Elijah Wan. So we see Elijah Wan meeting up with his friend and mentor, I guess, Jeff. Um, And Elijah, Elijah Wan says that Katina is definitely a girl who... To put it quickly, is kind of like a lady in the street, but a freak in the sheets, essentially. She likes to party. She's very much a Dickerson, as he says. She likes to drink. She can hang with his family. It's all good. And that Pastor Cal also told him that with regard to their sex life, just to break the ice and change their life. 
Now, I don't remember Pastor Cal saying that. It's very corny, so it's entirely likely that he did, in fact, say that. But I also feel like, I don't know if Pastor Cal would have added in, like, the, the change your life aspect of it. I don't think, like, you know, we don't talk about this. As much as men have BDE, I, there's also an energy that women get off when give off when they um, are in touch with themselves sexually and they're confident in that. And Katina has that. And it just leads me to believe that Elijah Wan is probably not really going to be changing anything for her in the bedroom. I could be wrong, but I'm not. Okay. Um, so then Elijah Wan says that because he doesn't know Katina on a full mental level, he's just worried that the sex is going to change their relationship for the worse, which, you know, lends credence to my theory about him not changing her life. Um, so Jeff says that he's kind of put off or not put off, but he's surprised by Elijah Wan because he's never known him to be, uh, insecure when it comes to women, never been nervous around them or about them. And so then Jeff asks Elijah Wan if there are any red flags. And he says, but one time Katina went to the grocery store. She was gone for a couple of hours and she came back with bread and water. You know, the, the hurricane special, as we know in the, the, the South. Um, he was like, basically had some talk with her. And she was like, oh, you know, I wasn't really... I'm not accustomed to shopping for two. I was really just thinking about one. And I guess this sent him into a complete tizzy that he feels like mentioning this again. And his friend's like, well, that's actually kind of valid that she's not used to it. But then Jeff says to Elijah Wan, I I feel like you may be causing more stress on yourself with regard to this situation by overthinking every move that Katina makes, which I agree. Like, stop trying to test her all the time. Every move she makes is like some larger message that has to go on or that, you know, has meaning with regard to your relationship. And it's just like, yeah, she just wasn't thinking about you. Sorry. She didn't get the family size Stouffer's lasagna. Okay. She'll get them next time. But for now you got some, you know, probably Fiji water and a nice little multigrain, maybe a Dave's crazy bread for you to make in the morning. And, you know, you'll be fine. Put some peanut butter on it and have a nice day, sir. Then Jeff goes on and tells Elijah Wan, I'll be honest with you, you do have a lot of expectations of people and you need to start taking people for who they are because you have a beautiful woman that cares about you. Like, wake up, sir. And you too, Michael. You're not getting any better. Like, I don't love to put looks into things but let's be real they are not going to get any better than this we all know it let's just be honest with it get your shit together boys tighten up okay moving on to katina she uh meets up with her girlfriend ariana and we all know that from the uh post wedding brunch that katina's friends don't like Elijah Wan. They don't trust him. They think that he's talking a lot of game, not even good game, not even big game. Just that he was just talking a bunch of cash shit. They don't like it. They don't think that he's good enough. So they're going into this situation. Like obviously the friends have all spoken about this and they're on the defense when it comes to Elijah Wan. 
the first Ariana's like, um, how did you feel about that uh, garter belt dance magic mic routine that uh, Elijah Wan did during the reception? And Katina's like, you know, it was a lot, but I also kind of liked it. It freaked me out, but it was good. I didn't like it, but I also did. And then she says that um, she realized that when they first had their conversation, this is Ariana speaking, that when they first had their conversation, and I have to correct myself, Katina says to Ariana that the first time she had a real conversation with Elijah Wan, when they have their, you know, champagne toast thing after the wedding, that she realized in that moment that, and she says this as a good thing, that she would never really have to worry about having to carry a conversation with him because he always, he talks. Because he always knows when to fill in the space, which to me would not be uh, a check for me. I, I'm fine with silence, you know? <laughs> I actually think that's the most intimate thing you can do is just be with, with your betrothed and not say anything. Just don't say anything, Elijah. Just don't say anything. <laughs> Elijah would drive me up the wall. He really would. I would be like, sir, this is my decision day. I'm out. I, I can't do it. But anyway, she seems to like it. Okay. Ariana's like on my side. She's like, yeah, about that. I kind of realized that he doesn't know how to shut the fuck up actually. And he kind of went on so many tangents that it was sort of giving off the vibe that he was just filling in the spaces that we wouldn't be able to ask him any questions. That's what I was feeling. So then Ariana reveals that during their brunch, Elijah Wan told her that he had never dated a black woman before. Now, I'm going to make this clear to you guys who are not part of the community, okay? That this is a cultural situation that is not going to make sense. So I think you're just going to have to chalk it up to that. I, it's, it's a red flag. We'll just put it this way. There are a lot of men like Elijah Wan who exclusively seek out interracial relationships because they think that it's going to take them to the next level to elevate them in some way. There's colorism to that. And it is a little bit concerning. I think most people would be concerned if this, his marriage was his first relationship, serious relationship with a black woman. So Katina's like, you know, I know I'm aware of that. Hey, we've talked about it. She's really being, um, a soldier for Christ with, for Elijah on in this moment. And is like, I hear what you're saying. I understand it was a red flag for me too. However, we've talked. I've been with this man for two weeks. I trust him. It's fine. It's something that we've gotten over. Like, don't worry, girl. I got this. And Ariana's like, okay. Like, that. okay, that's fine. So then <laughs> we get a clip of Elijah Wan having this conversation and when he tells Katina's friends, oh, I haven't been with, <clears throat> excuse me, a black woman before, 
They're like, why? And he's like, well, because no black woman has ever found me attractive. And they all look at him like, that can't possibly be true. Like, we, I mean, that that's not true, Elijah Wan. Like, it factually it cannot be possible <laughs> that you've never encountered a black woman who's been attracted to you. Like, maybe when she heard you talk, sure. But your looks, I don't think so. Then also at that brunch, Elijah Wan made a comment about wanting to try something new and this like marriage being that new thing. And Katina's guy friend stops him and is like, you know, like this is not a something new situation. This is marriage and this is like a permanent decision. They kind of get into it. It's just very tense. Yikes. Um, So then uh, Katina tries to tell Ariana, like, you know, we do need to remember that Elijah Wan is, excuse me, biracial. He's half Irish. And uh, Ariana's like, yeah, but he's black. Like, he looks black. He's black to the world. His mohawk is not making him any more white (laughs) to anybody. So, yeah, I'm going to trust you, but fine. She's like, we're past it. Don't worry about me. This point is where I'm going to have to start spitballing with Elijah Wan and Katina. Um, I know that they had a taco. No, they actually had the best themed party, which seemed to just be uh, fried chicken on a plate and champagne. Like, honestly, out of all the themes, I was like, I would like to go there. Thank you. No sides. (laughs) I saw several um, bottles of uh, salad dressing, not a single lettuce leaf. Not even one that fell on the counter. I don't know what the what the game plan was, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> um, all day meals, three hots and a cot. The situation that Elijah Wan wants is one thing, but we got to get our party together, right? We got to have at least two sides. You can't just give us a plate of fried chicken and some chicken. Like I would eat that, but that's like food that I eat by myself when nobody's watching me, right? <laughs> That's not like party food. Like, I want it and I will eat it. Thank you so much. But, you know, could, could we get like some potato salad, uh, a green, something? So I know that Katina had two friends, one of which is named Kara. And she was like, I'm going to ride and die for my girl. She said something very funny, which shout out to my notes for erasing. I wish I could remember, but <clears throat> it was funny. I will give you the credit for that. I do remember that. (laughs) Um, They sit down with Elijah Wan and they voice their concerns and they talk. Did they talk about the sex part of it? I think they did. And they're basically just like, don't take our girl for granted. And he gets it. And they also tell him to like, not go too heavy on this, like food and like wife fifties housewife situation. And he agrees. And then Katina has a conversation with his friend, Jeff. And she does kind of drop hints that maybe she's feeling a little bit like overwhelmed or maybe bowled over by him. And I feel like he gives her uh, the, excuse me, you guys, advice that like, he might come off as an asshole and he might come off as brash, but like, he's not, that's just how he communicates. And like, he did say something that like raised my hackles up when he said, um, you know, just give him space when like he explodes, just give him the time and like, come back. I'm not doing that with you. Like 
I we're not going through the dance of like you get to explode and then I have to be like the quiet one and wait for you to chill out. No, that is something that like you inherently need to change, like marriage or not. Like not everybody's going to be patient enough with you to go through these motions every time you're feeling some type of way about something stupid. Right. Because the other thing was that is that like Jeff was hinting that these were like dumb things that he would be exploding about. And like, I'm not doing that. I am not doing that with you. And I don't feel like Katina should have to. All right. Moving on to Lindsay and Mark. So we see Mark playing catch outside with his friend who's I didn't catch the Chiron. I don't know what his name was, but I do know that that man had to be some sort of direct descendant of Conan O'Brien. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. He had, like, he really did look like an O'Brien, right? Like, had to have been. Had to have been. Anyway, they're playing catch outside, and Mark tells his friend, Mark, Mark wants out, you guys. This man is like a caged animal. He's telling everybody he possibly can that, like, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. This is not what I'm used to. And not, like, in a I-need-to-grow-up sort of way. This is, like, awful for me, and I don't like it. And I hate it, and I gotta go. So... He's like, you know, I've never really been in a relationship like I am with Lindsay where um, she's really tried to, like, step in and help me. He tells Conan that uh, she even, like, tried to schedule some doctor's visits with his mom, for his mom, because she hasn't been to the doctor in a while. And then his friend is like, are you getting the feeling that you usually get? Which is basically that we're led to believe that Mark is a... uh, all in sort of guy that he falls in love quickly. He's deeply committed from day one that he is like head over heels. Can't catch his breath sort of thing. So Conan's like, is that how you're feeling right now? And Mark's like, uh, no, (laughs) no. He's like, you know, when we first met, I was just like, I was over. He's basically been like my, I've been on 10 since I laid my gigantic eyes on this woman. He's like, first, I'm overwhelmed because, in a good way, because we have so much in common, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is like a thing. And then I started getting freaked out by the fact that Lindsay would say things in public that he never would, and we get a flashback to... (laughs) We're not talking like 45 minutes into their relationship where they're taking pictures with the family, and she's, you know, making these comments about... Um, well, first when they're at the altar, so we're talking maybe, what, three minutes and 15 seconds into their relationship where he's trying to put her ring on and she's like, oh, don't worry. I like it when it hurts. And then when they're taking pictures, she's making some comments and, um, at they're playing never have I ever on the honeymoons. And she's talking about putting a finger up her ass and, you know, Mark's eyes are just like, you know, more and more. What do you think his, like, uh, clear eyes budget is? Do you think he sh- he might want to take stock in that? <laughs> Only returns. Do you think he's just, like, constantly putting drops, eye drops in his eyes when they're not recording, when he's not actively on camera? Gotta be, right? Ooh. Ooh, he's, that man's probably got the strongest eyelids <laughs> in America. <laughs> God bless him. I feel for Mark. I really, really do. I really do. Let me not roast him. He's going through enough. I don't need to add anything up onto his pile. I really don't. So, um, 
Mark talks about the situation with Elijah Wan on the plane, and he says that he thought that Lindsay was kind of just busting balls, but Elijah Wan wasn't taking it that way. But where Lindsay messed up was that she was not reading the room, and just she kept provoking the situation and he's like I can remember how many times Elijah Mon was like trying to give her an out and by the time we got to the third out baseball rules right he was done like he gave her a bunch of passes she wasn't reading the room she wasn't taking them she was making it going from worse to worser and he was he's just like I just can't handle it at this point for Mark he's like I can't even be in a place where we can grow as a couple because I'm just so turned off by her behavior in public. It's hindering us as a couple. I can't keep doing this. So Conan's like, you know, this is really atypical for you, Mark. Usually you're the one who dives headfirst into a relationship. And I just hope that Mark can take a leap of faith and not be afraid of how Lindsay's going to react. So then Mark tells his friends that there are a lot of behaviors that Lindsay has to cut out because if they were just dating, he would have been out by now. Did we see Lindsay talk to anybody? Surely I didn't miss that. I don't think we saw any. Uh, surely I'm not tripping. Let's move on to uh, Jasmina and Michael. So when they have their um, uh, housewarming party, I kind of feel like the conversations were just more of the same. I definitely remember Mark's friend, woman friend, telling Lindsay that normally, because Lindsay asked for advice and her his friend was like, well, normally I would like kind of warn you because he'd be, you know, like all in at this point, probably, you know, trying to spend the night at your house and then asking for a key. And when you're going to move in, but, you know, because of this process is like, well, <laughs> you already get it. Right. So, um, I just kind of feel like they, Lindsay's people told, like agree that she was a lot and to just be patient and to also like be honest and be, did they say to like, no, that was somebody else. Sorry. I, I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> But I do kind of feel like it was more of the same with them. We did see an explosion later after bowling that I will definitely, I, I remember that. So let's move on now to Jasmina and Michael. So we get a lot of Claire, Michael's sister, and we start off, they're kind of on shaky territory, but definitely better than we've seen them in the last few episodes. So Michael goes to Claire for advice and he says that the conversation with Pastor Cal restarted their relationship, but he's kind of worried about their communication. He's saying that the wedding was beautiful and then they flew out to Puerto Rico and things were great. But then, you know, day two, they had a conversation where they disagreed about conflict and conflict resolution. And then day three, Michael tells Jasmina that there's been a distance between them since the wedding and then day four when um he accused her of cutting him off in conversation so you know things have been really tense since you know after the first hour and a half of their relationship but they're trying to bounce back <laughs> so 
um, he says that they have a lot of work, lot to work through since meeting with Pastor Cal. And Claire is basically Team Jasmina. She's like, she's a strong woman. I'm a strong woman. I know what I'm looking at when I see Jasmina. I can sense that Jasmina is really afraid of being vulnerable because she doesn't really know you. So there's a wall up. And so, you know, when there's any sign of danger, the walls go up even further. And Michael, you need to be reminded that she doesn't, you don't know her either. You don't know what her scars are. You don't know what she's been through before. So just be gentle and don't be offended if she has boundaries because she just doesn't know you well enough to trust you. And what she's trying to do is to protect her space and her peace, which I honestly thought was like pretty great advice. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, it kind of puts more of the onus on uh, Jasmina a little bit because he's like, oh, you know, you need to be like, aware of, of where she's coming from, but, and not be like what he, what she should be telling him, which is like, stop popping off at the slightest perceived provocation. But I also know that she knows her brother and, uh, she probably knows the way to communicate with him best. Even, you know, sometimes we have to bullshit people so that they get it, you know? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When they have their, um, I keep wanting to call it a honeymoon, their housewarming, things are like going okay. Jasmina did mention at some point in the episode that they basically like, the conversation with Pastor Cal went okay, but that they also hadn't been speaking since then. So she kind of doesn't know really what's going on. But like, as they're getting ready for the housewarming, they're cute and or as cute as they can be because Michael's always bringing up some downer shit. But Jasmina's like, I think she's slicing some limes and Michael has to bring up the point of like, gosh, can you remember? Or can you imagine what this would have been like if we hadn't had that meeting with Pastor Cal? Like, you know, and our communication was still bad. And Jasmina, I just love her. She makes a joke out of it immediately and she puts up her knife threateningly and she's like, why? What do you mean? Like, how would it be different? And I just love her. So they have a nice little get together. Um, I wish I could remember if anything important was said, but I can't. 
I'm so sorry, but I will say that overall it seemed like a pretty positive, the most positive uh, episode we've seen with Jasmina and Michael since the wedding day, for sure. So even though they have effectively broken up, if you can call it that, because they never got together to begin with, we, Alyssa and Chris still have some filming obligations to do. So um, they make Chris tell his mama that he broke up with, or that he's about to get a divorce. I think he said that he had not spoken to her since the wedding. So, ooh, baby, I hope that you are sitting comfortably because you got a lot to hear. You got, you got a lot. There's a lot going on. Chris is like kind of not embarrassed, but he's like, it's going to be the hardest to tell my mom because, um, she wanted me to get married before I even wanted it for myself. And yeah, it's just like a bummer. Right. So Chris explains to his mom that things took a turn pretty much right after the wedding that Alyssa didn't want to share a room with him, despite the fact that he offered to even sleep on the couch, that she would shut down anytime he wanted to talk about their relationship on camera. And we get all of the times where she's like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to do this. Okay. I don't like where this is going. So I'm just going to get up. Okay. I'm just going to take a break real quick. Thank you very much. And just like stops, it flip flops off camera. Right. And then Chris has to tell his mom that basically Alyssa felt like she was robbed because the experts didn't give her the man that she wanted. And he feels robbed because nobody was going to get the guy or girl that they really wanted, but at least he was willing to try. So in a confessional, Chris says that he's pissed off. Every day he every day that passes he feels more and more like Alyssa tried not at all and it's hard for him to even conceive of the fact that somebody can come into this process knowing everything that is expected of them and still claim that somehow it was worse for her than anybody else and he's like there have been what probably over 50 people who have uh been on the show and 50 couples and we're the ones who ended the quickest, right? And so his mom is like totally on his side. She's like, you know, it kind of feels like Alyssa wanted to get out of the situation without looking bad. And honestly, I feel like Alyssa is doing you a favor because who wants to spend decades with somebody like her? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Chris says he feels like Having gone through this, he feels better about who he is as a person, which you should. (laughs) You absolutely should. And he feels like he's ready to date. So then we get to Alyssa's scene with her friend, Caitlin. And I thought, oh my God. To quote who I'm sure is her Lord and Savior, George W. Bush, strategery was really happening. First, I peeped when she said, oh, you know, this is my dear friend, Caitlin. I know her because we rescue dogs together. Um, I hope you guys saw, by the way, that tweet. (laughs) Somebody read the fuck out of Alyssa who said, oh, the quote of, oh, I can't live with you because I'm allergic to dogs. And then just like a nine panel picture, like Brady Punch style of Alyssa with various dogs, various hair lengths and various amounts of dander. Just post it up posted up with not a care in the world face to face cheek to cheek okay love that 
Anyway, um, so she said, oh, this is my friend Caitlin. We rescue dogs together. She wasn't able to come to the wedding. And so, you know, I just feel like I'm going to be able to download her. Time out. I call bullshit on that immediately. You brought Caitlin here because of the specific fact that she was not at the wedding. And so you're going to be able to, in your mind, control this narrative of you being the victim of this story because she has not been here to see how you've been acting. I call bullshit. So Caitlin's like, hey girl, like what's been going on since the wedding? I have no idea. And um, tell me about Chris. And Alyssa's like, well, you know, at first glance, Chris is not physically my type. And, you know, that was hard to move past. So I just kept trying to push through and push through. And, you know, also the things that I heard about Chris weren't the best. So, you know, that was really hard for me. <laughs> Honestly, Loki, I would pay Jeff Bezos because I know he has a time machine. And to go back in time, and not that I really want to expose, expose black women to trauma, but I would just wish, is there a scene, was there something on the cutting room floor, floor in which Alyssa was sitting with either Jasmina, Katina, or both, and legitimately telling them about Chris's Instagram um, posts. I would love to see that. Has it happened on Rudy After Dark? Has Rudy asked either of them what they thought about that? Let me know because I will go back and watch that episode. So Caitlin's friend was like, well, maybe Chris's friends thought that they were saying nice things about him, but they just weren't the things that you were looking for. And Alyssa starts to laugh and it's just like, you know... <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to hear that they're going to be putting work before their partner. And like, girl, girl, you're right, but you are not right. Like, we all know that that is not the reason why you don't want to date Chris. That's not the reason why you don't want to be married to him. That is far from the camel, that the straw that broke the camel's back. You took a... One glance at those yellowed canines and we're like, you know what? I can't do this. Don't act like his inability to make time for you was the issue. Girl, come on. <laughs> and this is what I'm saying. Like, she knows that she can only tell that to somebody like Caitlin because anybody else who's been privy to the situation knows that that's bullshit. And that is the only example that Alyssa could come up with. Uh, that doesn't make her look like a Costco-sized bag of mixed nuts. So Kaylin was like, okay, well, were you guys any able to have any sort of deep conversations about what you wanted in life, what you like, what he liked? And Alyssa's like, you know, we never got to have those. And, you know, it was a small resort, and everybody knew where I was at all times. So if Chris wanted to have those conversations with me, he could have found me. <laughs> Okay, and so I had to pause. So I'm thinking, typing furiously, okay, what about the time where you um, left him while he was scuba snorkeling or whatever the fuck, and you went to get a chicken club from the resort restaurant, and then when he came back, you were like telling production to get him away from you. How about that? Which is exactly what they showed. They also showed the clip of him, of her um, complaining after tennis and um and another time like she girl girl okay girl 
So then Caitlin asks Alyssa, okay, well, do you feel good about your decision? And Alyssa's like, well, it really wasn't my decision. He was just like, you know, today's the day that I'm deciding that I want a divorce. And I had spent the last few days wanting to start off with a clean slate and to move forward. But I just didn't feel any effort. And I didn't feel like Chris wanted any part of it. So, of course, thank you again to the producers who showed Chris doing exactly what Alyssa was claiming that he was not doing. Um, being incredibly kind, apologizing to her for not giving her a fair chance, even though he absolutely did. Um, constantly saying that he wants to give this a fair shake and that he's here and present and in the moment and wanting to do this. And if you could even give 1% of effort, I'm still going to be here, but you couldn't even do that. But okay, girl. Okay. So Caitlin's trying really hard. Obviously at this point, she's like, I've heard this song before. This is Alyssa's free bird. I, I know all the words. I know the chord changes. I I know my girl and I know what's what's happening here. So but she's trying to be a friend while also telling the truth. She's like, Well, gosh, I just wish that I had met him and formed my own impression of him because, you know, there have been certain times where I thought you were being just a little too hard on a guy in the past. <laughs> uh, and Alyssa at this point is just staring daggers at her. It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we know that um, Caitlin's got to get about 17 really nasty texts in the matter of 45 minutes. As soon as his mic go off and she gets some barefoot bubbly in her, those tweets are going to go flying. And so are the texts, okay? Ooh, she, I hope you guys saw Alyssa completely shut down. So, um, they have Alyssa do like an exit interview on the sidewalk on the side of a busy road and they're like, okay, well, what's next for you? And she's like, well, you know, I'm probably going to pack up my bags and, uh, move to Texas because I think I'll find my cowboy there, but I'm going to have to ask my psychic and before I make any decisions, <laughs> bye, bye, Ashy, bye, pumpkin, bye, wig. Oh my God. The scene ends with Caitlin saying, yeah, I think you're the only person who I know who's been married for 12 days. And Melissa's like, well, do I get a prize or anything? Like, yeah, your prize is karma. And, and the karma is on this TV show. God bless it. Mm. Um, okay. So now let's move on to Steve and Noy who have been, a real nothing burger of a couple up until this episode. So thank you for one of you being very strange. But before we get into that, let's talk about the, uh, um, the before the before. So Steve says he's getting the impression that noise, not loving the fact that he doesn't have steady income and, He's trying to, like, be accommodating towards that, but he's also, like, not trying to ruin his own vibe. So it's going to have to be something that they talk about. So they're planning the housewarming, and they both want to incorporate their her Laotian and his Chinese heritage into the dishes, into the party. And Steve brings up that he 
was caught a little bit off guard about her feelings with his job when they met with Pastor Cal. And Noe is just like, well, I'm just kind of like thinking long term in the future about children and stuff and stability. And basically says that just because Steve says, just because I don't have a steady job doesn't mean I don't take care of myself. And at this point in the episode or in the season, I'm starting to think that like we're we're maybe a little bit misled about Steve's job situation. Like we did see that he has an apartment. He lives by himself. Um, We did see that he, you know, it was a nice apartment. I don't know what uh, Boston's real estate is, but I know that not everybody on the cast is capable of living alone. So it must be pretty decent. Uh, I I think that he might be doing better for himself. I don't think he's uh, the flop that we were led to believe. So at this point, Steve kind of flips the script on Noi and is like, you know, I want you to be supportive of my dreams, but that can only happen if you have an understanding of who I am and what I'm trying to do. Noi tells Steve, I love your passion, but I just don't really see any action behind the scenes. And I would like for you to have a game plan. So then they have their housewarming party and things are going okay. And I'm getting a little bit bored because I'm like, okay, they're just bringing up the, she wants to have three kids and she's like hard on the three kids. And why can't she be more flexible on the three kids? Cause I really wanted one or two, but you know, I'm flexible, but I feel like it's like not fair that she's not being flexible, blah, blah, blah. And then they get to the money part. And he has a conversation with Noy's friends and somebody brings up like, you know, Noy's concern is that she's going to be the breadwinner. And Steve says, well, it's never going to get to that point. Which leads me to believe that Steve, even with his not uh, consistent job, is still making more than Noy. And I understand that like, it can be scary to be like, okay, things are going well for you now, but like, what about in the future? But I also feel like I think he's doing okay. I think he is. Because I think he might be doing okay. But then Noi has a conversation with Steve's friends about the job situation. And they're like, oh, like, he'll be fine. We don't worry about him. Like, he's got a great network of people. And, you know, basically, if he wants to have a job, a steady job, then he can do it. Like, he's got people that he can talk to. And Noi is like, oh, like even more turned off by that situation. And it's like, oh, it's kind of worse that he has options that he's just choosing not to take than him just like trying to figure things out, which is kind of what I thought he was doing, which does make sense. But I'm also just feeling like, okay, if the situation is he's, doing fine enough to take care of himself. He's just said, I'm not going to, we're not ever going to be in a position where Noy is the breadwinner. Um, and he wants to spread his wings and he can afford to do so. And he's still making more than you. Then let him do it. And if he does fall on his ass, then his friends just said that they do have a network of people that he can, he can come to. So I just feel like, Take the leap. 
if this was really like he doesn't have a job and it's like a dire situation, which I can also, I have to give uh, credit to Noi because when she had the brunch with his family, even his dad was like, yeah, he doesn't have a job and that's not like a good look. And I can understand if you don't find that attractive. <laughs> so I can understand like if I'm hearing it from your daddy, then like I'm going to take that in. But also I feel like maybe we're not getting the full story. And I think Steve might be better than we're led to believe. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And this is where things start to get juicy. Uh, what the hell? (laughs) So first off, we see Diary Cam, which you know is a signal of... When we get like a tight, weird shot on somebody because they're self-recording that some shit went down, right? So Steve is in the diary cam and he's telling us of a situation that happened. So we see a lot of, um, you know, like the camera that they set up in the apartment footage. And he says that Noi had offered for the first time to cook a meal for them. And he was like, great. Totally. So apparently it was something with noodles. One of them is gluten-free, one isn't. So they made two different types of noodles, right? So Steve goes on to say that he was like doing his own thing. He comes in the kitchen to check on the progress. Noi has put her noodles in with whatever it is that she was making. So she was done cooking her meal. And Steve was like, in his mind thinking, Oh, I thought you were cooking for me. So he makes a comment of, Oh, I see like you got your noodles ready. And she's like, Oh, you know, whatever. So I guess he goes back, he leaves and comes back again. When he comes back, he noticed that his noodles were overcooked, which to me is like, okay. I think that's a little picky. You know, I'll eat pasta any way I can. I didn't even realize that like, Okay, maybe you wanted al dente and they were a little softer. But, like, you can't... I mean, I guess you could technically ruin a noodle, but it would take a lot. It would really take a lot. So, anyway, he notices that the noodles are overcooked. He makes a comment to Noi. And she's like, well, those were your noodles. And he's like, well, I thought you were cooking for the both of us. So, I thought, like, you would have been watching the what my noodles were doing. So... <laughs> Who knows if we're able to have the dinner? Because the next thing we see is Steve sitting on the couch. Noi's got her dog sushi in her arms, a backpack, and she's like, Vominos, okay? We're, we're out of here. And she didn't say a word. Steve's looking dumb. 
He's trying to call her, no pickup. 30 minutes later, another call, nothing. Texting her, nothing. And we find out she spent the night, God knows where, and he has not heard from her. And then we see them come back. And it, I guess it's about 24 hours since Noi has left. So she definitely looks worse for wear. Didn't really seem embarrassed, but she definitely looked like she had been going through it emotionally. So they sit down on the couch and he's like, so what's up? <laughs> and she's like, well, this, I'm, this is a part that I'm going to have to go for memory, go for memory on. So she basically says that he made her uncomfortable and rather than being grateful that she cooked for him, he just like kind of ruined the moment with his like noodle bullshit. Right. And that like he could have, he could have just done better. Right. So he's like, okay, but you, I, I feel like, and y'all know that I rarely side with a man. (laughs) I feel like Steve read the fuck out of her. And I was like, I'm with you. Everything he said, I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. (laughs) You were absolutely right. So he goes on to say, um, I couldn't get a hold of you. Like the least you could have done was, uh, communicate with me, especially because, um, I took a little journey on your Instagram and you seem to have a lot to say. And it was this whole quote about, um, not staying in something that isn't right for you. You can say no, say no for your mental health or whatever. And basically being like, this man isn't good enough for me. And so like, I want out. Bye. And she's saying like, oh, I just need time to like work and, and like work through my feelings and process and whatever. He's like, yeah, but here's the thing is that like you said that you need time to talk to me, but apparently you had all the time in the world to talk to your friends and to social media about what it is that you felt. So I feel like this was a conversation that could have been between us. It definitely didn't need to be public. And do you know how many of my friends and family now follow you on social media? And now I'm having to explain, uh, what the hell is Noi talking about? Oh, I don't know. I think she, she left the house because I said something about noodles. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, that does sound really stupid. And definitely not like a reason to leave. Um, even Dr. Viviana points out in a voiceover, like, you know, it's it's not a healthy thing to leave. It really is like a detriment to your relationship. It, it prevents the growth. It prevents the progress. And it's just like not an option that people should take. I, I agree with Steve. Like, yeah, that's, you can't say that you didn't know what to talk about and you were processing when you were processing on Instagram stories. Like, no. It's not cool. I, I, I totally agree with him. I don't know. Um, so then hopefully I'm not missing anything after this. The episode basically ends with the couples all going, well, I guess I should say the group, the group all going to a bowling night. Chris and Alyssa do attend because this is going to be their opportunity to tell the group that they're officially getting a divorce. 
Steve and Noi are there and things are very clearly awkward and because they still have not gotten over their fight. They have not made up and Noi's feeling some type of way. She's like, I'm just trying to keep it inside. Steve is like feeling weird because he's like, I think that we're maybe the couple out of the group that actually people look up to. And like, it just proves that, you know, we can have issues just like anybody else. So everybody's getting together. At first, they're talking about, um, you know, somebody mentions or asks where Alyssa and Chris are, but Lindsay interrupts and she mentions that, shockingly, Mark had had a taco for the first time the other day. (laughs) The first time? And, like, I will say a lot of things about Lindsay because it looked like she made those tacos. Those tacos look legit. Like, they kind of look pretty good. Like, those were not, like, the white people tacos. Those That was not, like, a hard Ortega shell with the ground beef. Like, those look like some real tortillas. And I, I don't know. Mark seemed to love it. We'll put it that way. Um, Mark said that he really liked it. But uh, basically, Lindsay's developed this habit of just shoving food into his mouth and um, explaining what it is later. (laughs) um, Lindsay, at this point, makes an inappropriate comment about um, blindfolding Mark, which makes him feel embarrassed. And Katina can pick up on that. We all know that Katina's done with Lindsay and has been since the honeymoon and she's like pass being passive aggressive this whole time rolling her eyes like sucking her teeth like i don't want to hear anything this girl has to say and Lindsay is definitely not helping um she's interrupting people what did she interrupt people oh there was a conversation about katina mentioned elijah Wan, um is puts the the toilet seat down and how grateful she is that he does and this comes becomes a whole group discussion about like, are you putting the toilet seat down because of sanitary reasons or because it's nice for your wife and she prefers it. And then Lindsay decides to go on and on about the sanitary reasons. She's getting up and like, I'm, I'm the safety officer and poop, 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 six feet, poop, screaming. I don't want poop. Okay, just like ruining everybody's conversation, totally sucking the air out of the room. Mark is horrified. Katina's really annoyed. Lindsay at some point calls out Katina for her obvious annoyance with the situation. Mark is even more horrified. He's like, Lindsay, why do you have to call her out? Like, why do you have to take it to that? Like, if you saw that she was level, why did you have to call her out on that? This is the kind of shit that I'm talking about. That I don't like to see you do in public. It's embarrassing. I don't like it. That's it, right? So at this point, Mark has had enough. And we see this moment where they've clearly finished filming. But Mark and Lindsay are still mic'd up. Production's like trying to pack things up. And all this stuff. But Mark's like, you know, I told you not to say anything. I told you not to provoke Katina. Why do you have to do this? Blah, blah, blah. They're getting into it. And Lindsay's like, well, she started with me. And he's like, well, you didn't have to continue it. Blah, blah, blah. And it, at some point Mark walks off (laughs) and he's like, I just like, I can't keep doing this. Right. So then Mark is sitting sadly on a set of stairs next to a Sam Adams, uh, at uh, one of those like sandwich boards and Chris goes to talk to him 
And he's just like, you know, um, oh, I totally forgot about Chris and Alyssa. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I guess we'll get to them later. Well, I mean, he just said that they broke up. Chris was very lovely about it. Alyssa was continued to be very delusional. She tried to cry. She didn't cry. Everybody was just staring at her, talking about, like, how hard she tried and, like, blah, blah, blah. I mean, just the absolute delusion circus that she's been pulling this entire time. I hope we never see her again. I truly, truly do. Um, So... Chris is talking to to Mark and, you know, he's like trying to give him advice and be, he's being really nice to him. And meanwhile, Lindsay has had enough and she's got a hot mic behind the door moment. She's talking to production and other Lindsay in production. There was, uh, I can't remember what the other lady's name was, but... Lindsay at this point is like, I'm not leaving this bathroom. You cannot make me leave. I don't want to deal with this man anymore. I'm disgusted. And she goes the fuck off. She is talking about how, um, how dare he, when I, all the stuff that I did for him, he never thanks me. He never congratulates me. I moved this man out of his house in a hazmat costume with these fucking roaches. He's disgusting. He only makes $60,000 a year selling gym memberships. How dare he? Um, you know, his infested apartment. Where's he going to go after this? He can go live with his mama. Um, I'm going to go back to South Boston and be happy. <laughs> Um, he can't even bother to make me come. I can't even get a fucking orgasm out of this situation. Woo! Mentioned it all. And then had the nerve in these previews to be tee-hee-heeing with him. Oh, happy day. Doing those, uh, little duck paddle boats. And, and laughing and giggling and having a nice romantic dinner. I'll be damned. How the hell are they gonna go from this man is a loser who can only, whose only option is to live with his mama who can't fuck and has a dead end job. I'm the best he'll ever get. Who, who would do the things that I've done for him? Not Alyssa. What other wife? Not Alyssa. (laughs) How the hell do you come back from that? I guess we'll find out y'all. There's only one way to find out. Thank you so much for bearing with me. If you're able to, if you want to give me a, you know, a birthday five-star review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I would be super grateful. Yes, I'm milking it because it's my birthday. No, I have no shame. You know that already. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Bye.